Hey, thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. Here at Velocity, we love listening about how lives are changed through our church. So if that's you, please contact us at amen at findvelocity.org. Enjoy today's message. And if you are joining us for the first time, we are in part two of a series we started last week called All Things New. And what, what I need you to know about this series is that uh, this series isn't about how you can become a new you. It's not how you can become a better version of you or become the best you. Now, what this series is really about is helping you live out the reality of who you already are in Christ. You know, the, the, the truth is, when we place our faith in Christ, if you are a Jesus follower, you are already made new. Now, sometimes we live like the old us, sometimes we think like the old us, or we say things that sound like the old us, but the truth is, if you've placed your faith in Christ, you're made new. In fact, uh, Paul wrote about this scriptural truth that the theme for this series really comes from this verse where Paul was writing to a church, and, and this is what he told them. He said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, he didn't say you got to work at it. He, he, he didn't say, like, this works for some people, but not for other people. He didn't say, like, if you do all the right things, you can experience this. Now, what he said was that if anyone places their faith in Christ, all things are made new. Now, what's so fascinating to me about this statement that Paul makes is that he's writing to this church about the reality of who they are in Christ, the reality of what happens when you place your faith in Christ. Yet in the context of all of his letters to churches, they're filled with instruction. They're filled with advice and, and, and doctrine and just instruction on how to live, on, on how this happens. So evidently, like this spiritual reality that is a reality the moment you place in your faith in Christ, evidently, it's not just automatic. Evidently, there's a process to it. You're made new in a moment, but the way it's, you live it out, the way it shows up in your life, it, it's a process. And I think anybody here who's placed their faith in Christ, you, you can attest to this. You know that there's a reality that something has changed inside of you, and yet sometimes you find yourself stuck in old patterns. You, you find yourself in, in some old habits, some, some old cycles of living. You find yourself thinking in a way like the old you used to think. You find yourself saying some things that the old you used to say. And what I talked about last week, if you were here, what I told you is that regardless of where you're at in this process, I told you, you can belong here. That, that's a key thing of our church. You don't have to have it all figured out to be here. You can belong here. In fact, you can even belong here before you believe. If you just believe the fact that God has started something in you, and just the fact that you're here is proof positive that God has started something in you. If you can believe that, God's going to finish that. But you can belong here. But where I want to go today with this message is I want to talk about how to get from here to there. In fact, that's the title of this message if you're taking notes is from here to there. Here's the truth. You belong here, but we're on a journey. I mean, this is Velocity Church after all, right? So, I mean, we're going someplace. We are headed towards the things that God has called us to. So we wanna talk about how to get from here 
place you belong, to there where God has called us to. Does that make sense to everyone? Well, what I want to do, I want to read this scripture one more time, and, and I'm believing that as we remind ourselves of this truth, that we have passed from death to life, that all things are made new, that as we remind ourselves of this, that it's going to start showing up, making a difference in our everyday life, our, our regular Monday through Friday life. So 2 Corinthians 5, 17, this is what it says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask for God's help. I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to get into the scripture. And as we do, I believe God's going to speak to you today. So let's bow our heads and ask for God's help. Lord, I thank you so much for your truth. God, I thank you for the opportunity to speak your word. Lord, I don't take it lightly. God, I ask that you would help me that as I preach, it's not just my words going forth, but it's your very word going forth, that you would personalize it, individualize it to each person here. God, you know what they need to hear. You know what they're going through. You know what's going to help them, Father. So God, give us ears to hear, eyes to see a mind to understand, a heart to receive the things you have for us, God. I thank you that you will in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that can say amen. Hey, uh, I'm always curious to know who I'm talking to. Uh, how many of you are parents in here? Any parents in the house? A lot of parents. That is amazing. That is awesome. God bless you. I want to say a prayer for you right now because I know what you're going through. I, I am a, a parent. I've been a parent for a decade, if you can believe it or not. Got my firstborn, my eldest sitting on the front row over here. Be good. Everybody's watching. Uh, but I've got my eldest. I've been a parent for a decade. Half of that decade, uh, I've been a parent three times over. So I've got uh, three boys. And then my youngest is a year old. So I I've been a parent now. Uh, I'm on my fourth go at it. That's, that's it. I'm not going to have any more. We made sure of that. And um, I'm just telling you the truth. I speak the you can always count on me to speak the truth. So uh, with that... I, I, I want to say, like, being a parent, I want to say it's a thrill, but it's a sin to lie, and plus we're in church. And so I would tell you, like, like being a parent, it, it's, it's somewhere on the scale of, like, being on a show of Oprah's, Oprah's Favorite Things and, like, serving a prison sentence. You know what I'm saying? Like, like there's just this range of emotions and up and downs that, that you go through, and no doubt, uh, in, in my season of parenthood, I've become desensitized as a father. It's, it's not something that I'm proud of. Honestly, I think it's kind of a coping mechanism, maybe a survival mechanism, if you want to know the truth. But I, I've become desensitized, and, and I, I have this ability, and I'm hesitant to call it a gift because I don't know if it's from God. It may be from the other place. I'm not sure. Uh, but I, I have this unique skill, that this ability that God has given me. I think, I don't hear my kids. Like, I don't hear my kids. Like, like they, they just turn into white noise. It just kind of blends into the background. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I, I, I literally, I'm telling the truth, I cannot hear my kids. And uh, the proof of this uh, happened just a couple weeks ago. Uh, I had one of my children uh, come up to me, and I won't tell you his name because I don't want to embarrass him, but uh, Reese was coming up to me. <laughs> And uh, he, he, he said, dad, 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 dad. Like, I, I think probably about 17 times he said, he said dad. And, and I was caught up in, in what I was doing. You know, I was, I was um, looking at my phone, um, <laughs> reading my Bible. Don't judge me. See, I'm going to tell you something, but don't judge me on this because 
it's not going to go well. Uh, he, he said, Dad, Dad, and, and I, I was caught up in what I was doing, and I, like, I just could not hear him. And, and probably like on, on the, the 32nd Dad, I, I finally, I, I was like, yeah, you know, what, what is it, buddy? And, and, and he said, I want to tell you something. And from that moment on came a barrage of information and details and data and stories to, to the point where I don't think he took a breath for two minutes. He was like, hey, hey, Dad, uh, I, I miss you so much. And by the way, I love you. And did you know that I got that Target gift card? And you know I've been working chores and, and you're saving up money. And I thought that we could go to Target and there's this game I want to get. I know you already think I have a game. It's Minecraft. But there's a different game I want to tell you about. And I just said, son, just stop a minute. Like, just take a breath, like I'm gonna be here for the rest of your life. Like, that's the plan. Like, just hold up. And he looked at me, I looked at him, and he, he took a breath. And he looked at me with this face that said, I just didn't know if this was the only time I was gonna have your attention today. Stop judging me, all right? Like, I can feel your judgment right now. Obviously, I'm changing some of my parenting. I'm working on it. It's a work in progress. But uh, he, he, he's looking at me, and I said, I said Reese, why, why don't we just, let's just start at the beginning. Well, let's just take it a step at a time and, and just take a breath, start at the beginning. Now, I know some of you are thinking, okay, that's a funny story, Pastor, but what does this have to do with all things? And what does this have to do with your sermon? What does this even have to do with the Bible? I'm so glad you asked. Because... The truth is, I think many of us, the same way my son Reese approached telling me this story, this moment, I'd been traveling a lot, he hadn't seen me a lot, I'd been caught up in my own things, thought he had to get everything out at once, like this is his one shot. I think that's the way many of us approach our walk with God and the way we approach growth in our walk with God. Like it's all got to happen at once. I mean, Paul wrote, if anyone is in Christ, old things pass away, all things become new. Like, surely, like, why hasn't this happened yet? I mean, I'm still dealing with this same pattern. I'm still dealing with this same issue. I thought I was new. I thought this was supposed to be done by now. We just keep going over. And then it's like, hold up. Just take a breath for a minute. And I want to tell you the same thing I told my son. Let's just, let's just take a step at a time. Let's start at the beginning. In fact, that's the first thing I want to tell you if you're taking notes, is I would tell you, don't despise what starts small. Don't despise what starts small. And I want to tell you, as you look at the work that God has started in your life, don't despise what seems like a small start. Uh, you know, in, in fact, there's a phrase that I love. It comes from the book of Zechariah. Which, by the way, this is a great reason to use the Bible app on your phone because you don't have to flip through pages to find the book of Zechariah. You can just type it in and you'll look like a genius. But in the book of Zechariah, it says this, Zechariah 4.10. It says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. You know, I love how God just gets excited at the start of something. Like, within our life, like within... Uh, humans, we, we tend to not get excited about something till it's finished. Like, like, we're not content till the project's done. But what I see with God is he starts getting excited and he starts fist bumping angels just when someone decides to start something. 
It's a completely different perspective. And I should probably give you a little bit of context on this verse. See, Zechariah was this guy who God used uh, to be a voice of influence. He, he used him uh, as a leader during a very low point in Israel's history. Uh, this was a time period known in Jewish history as, as the Babylonian exile. In fact, a little Bible history for you. The, the history of Israel is broken up predominantly into two categories. There's the exodus, that's you know Moses coming out of Egypt, all, all of that. In fact, the next series that we're doing, I'm gonna be talking about Moses, looking at his life. It's gonna be great. I'm so excited, probably my favorite series, maybe my favorite series of the year, so good. I'm already excited about it. But uh, what, that, that's the exodus, coming out of Egypt, and then the other part, that, that signals like Israel's start becoming a nation. Then there's the exile. And, and this is really signals like Israel's loss of their status as a nation. And, and, and that's the point in which this book was written, Zechariah. They were without a king. They had no leader. Uh, most of the people, at least the best and the brightest, had been taken captive and they'd become enslaved by the Babylonians. And their temple, which was where all the worship of God, prayers, sacrifices, worship, where all of that took place, uh, that had been burned down. So, so now that there's no offerings, no sacrifice, no worship going up to God. Needless to say, this was a very low point in their history. They didn't have a house for God. They're not even in the place that they're supposed to be. And obvious that they became depressed over this. You know, I wonder, just like God is speaking to them in this situation, a very low point, I wonder if it's a picture of the way some of us feel, the way some of our lives look. Like we know the promises that God has spoken over our life. We know what God has said. We believe that it's supposed to be true in our life, but yet we look at our life and it's like, God, where are you at in this? I mean, all things new, really? Really, God? Because I'm looking at my life, and it's looking like things are going from bad to worse. It's looking like this is not the direction I'm supposed to be headed. But even though this was a bleak period in the life and history of Israel, what's interesting about it is most scholars agree that it was actually the most productive time in the history of Israel. Now, of course, the context of this book, and specifically what it's talking about, is how God used Zechariah, was a prophet, uh, to bring about the rebuilding of the temple. That time, the temple was very important. It was the place where God's spirit dwelled. We're not talking about building a temple today. In fact, I mean, God's spirit doesn't dwell in a temple made with hands. We know that the New Testament talks about how God's spirit lives in us. He dwells in us, and that we're actually the temple of God. And when you place your faith in Christ, his spirit comes and lives inside of you. And, you know, that's one of the cool things I think about being a church that meets in multiple locations, a church that sets up and takes down every weekend. It's this reminder that the church is not a building. The church is really the people of God. God, God dwells in you, not in a building made with hands. But I wonder, just like God spoke this to the people of Israel as they were rebuilding the temple, I wonder if God would say the same thing to you as he's building some things in your life. Don't despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. See, it's in the small beginnings that 
great things have the best opportunity to be displayed. Uh, this kind of preaching reminds me of how we started this church. Uh, I know like it's, it's cool now to see what God has done, a couple locations and people coming to Christ and just all these great things, but uh, you gotta know how we started. I mean, we didn't have any facility when we started. In fact, the only facility we had was 1,100 square foot, and that was our house, and my wife wasn't gonna let me start a church in there. You know, you, you, you think we have like cool technology. Now you should have seen the technology we had when we started. We had a notebook. Instead of a big screen, we had a giant 3M pad on an easel. All right, that, that's how we started. Our very first launch meeting, very first launch meeting, we were telling people about this dream to start church. Very first launch meeting, three people showed up. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> three people. And I'm just amazed at what God has done with that very small beginning. In fact, I wonder what would have happened if I would have despised that small start. But what would have happened if I would have looked at, God, you're not in this. Obviously, you're not in this because 3,000 people didn't show up, only three. They, you know, the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people showed up and got saved. So apparently you're not in this, God. What would have happened if I would have despised that small start? And I wonder if when you're looking at your life, I wonder if when you're looking at what God has called you to, I wonder if when you're looking at the places that God has called you to lead, I wonder if when you're looking at what God has started in you, if you're looking at it as a small thing and you're despising it. You know, another translation gets a little more pointed with this verse. It says, who dares despise the day of small beginnings? You need to turn to your neighbor and say, don't you dare. Don't you dare. Go ahead and say it. Just, just wave your finger in their face. Don't you dare. Get a little attitude with it. Snap your fingers, you know. <laughs> don't you dare despise the day of small beginnings. Because, see, we often don't understand the potential of a small start. Oh, we don't comprehend what God is actually doing in the small start. You know, I look at the life of Jesus. I'm sure when Jesus left the earth, people had to have thought he was a failure. I mean, he only had 11 disciples. I mean, he had 12, but, you know, one of them. You know, just trying to make the Bible come alive to you. It's Judas. You read the Bible. But he only had, he only had 12 disciples. But what he put in those 12 was so powerful that they took that message to the entire world and look where we are today. Can I just tell you, there is nothing small about what God has started in you. It starts small, but there's nothing small about it. And you have no idea what God wants to do in and through you from here to there, even though it has a small start. Now, let me give you my second one. On your way from here to there, I want to tell you, don't underestimate the power of presence. Don't underestimate the power of presence. Now, all the Christians think I'm talking about the Holy Spirit's presence. I'm not. I'm talking about your presence. I'm talking about you being here. Your presence. The, the title of the sermon is From Here to There. So, so you got to be here. You belong here. But if you want to get there, right, you got to start here. Don't underestimate the power of your presence. Just 
Just be here. And here's, here's the thing that we underestimate. Lots of times we think on our way from here to there that God needs us to be perfect. But God doesn't need us to be perfect. He just needs us to be present. Don't underestimate the value of consistency. Don't underestimate the value of just being faithful. See, when it comes to understanding the way we grow in our faith, the way we grow in God, I think we often look at the wrong abilities. We think, man, if I just had a different ability, like that would be the difference maker. If I was just a little bit smarter, if I just knew what I needed to know, what I don't know now, then I could have the strength and the power to change. Or man, if I just had a little bit more discipline, like then I'd be able to have the willpower to bring about these things that I know and put it in my life. And we think that we're lacking an ability and because we don't have a certain ability that, that God can't work in our life, the desire that, that the things that he wants to do, the, the ways that we want to change. But can I just tell you, the abilities that God is looking for in your life, they're not the abilities that you think. The, the abilities that God is looking for in and through you, they're, they're not the things that you would expect. I think God is looking for some vulnerability. I think God is looking for some avail ability. I think God is looking for some rely ability. God, God says, if, if you've got some of those things in your life, then you've got exactly what you need to grow. If you've got some of those things, you are well equipped to move from here to there in all the places where I've called you to be. So see, we think that in order to grow spiritually, we've got to have all the answers, but God doesn't call you to have all the answers. He doesn't call you to have it all figured out. He just calls you to be faithful. It's not your job to change yourself. It's just your job to show up. Just, just show up. And you know who models this the best? Jesus. It's a Sunday school answer. Jesus. He, like, like there was this one time in scripture where Lazarus was a friend of his. who He died. Lazarus died. And, and Jesus shows up on the scene and instead of preaching a three-point sermon about why they're suffering in this world, or instead of launching into all the medical reasons for why Lazarus collapsed, you know what Jesus did? He says he wept. In other words, his power wasn't in what he said. It was in what he did. What did he do? He was present. He was present. Now, of course, Jesus did go on to raise Lazarus from the dead. I get that. But I wonder if it's actually supposed to be a picture of the fact that what you need isn't more precepts. What you need is more presence. More presence. If you want to experience more of God's resurrection power in your life, be present where he's present. Just be faithful. Just be consistent. You know, on the flip side of that, if you want to let somebody know that you care, you just do what Jesus did. Just shut up and be there. Just be present. Maybe that's the word for somebody today. Just shut up and be there. You don't need to have all the answers. You don't need to have all the right things to say. Just, just be there. And I know you can't raise anybody from the dead, but maybe Christ inside of you can use you to resurrect something that's dead in somebody else's life. I'm not saying that there's not a time to instruct. I'm not saying that 
There's not a time to teach. I'm just saying that sometimes the power of God is most profound simply because you're present, simply because you're in the right place, just because you're consistent, just because you're faithful. So I'm gonna, I mean, can you just be here to get there? You wanna go where God has called you to? Just, just be here. Don't underestimate the power of presence on your way from here to there. I got one more I'm gonna give you. On your way from here to there, don't measure success by the harvest that you see, but the seed that you sow. Don't measure success by the harvest that you see, but the seed that you sow. The funny thing about this message is I wrote it on Tuesday of this week, and when I wrote it, I thought that God was giving it to me for a staff teaching, for a leadership teaching. And God said, no, you need to share that on Sunday. And so I, I, I began to work with this and look at it. And it's really fascinating because I think that this particular point is for somebody here. And if you get this, it is going to liberate you so much. Uh, and I want to stay here for just a minute because this is going to unfrustrate you in your life. You see, the truth is, as you are growing with God, as you are on your way moving from here to there, God is gonna to begin to develop you. He's doing things in your life. He's gonna use you to impact the lives of others. I know that some people, you're like, I don't know that I, that I need others in my life. I'm good with just me and Jesus. Well, you know the thing that's interesting about that? Even Jesus needed a team. The guy who came to change the world, he, he didn't do it by himself, he got a team. You need people in your life. Don't just tell me that all you need is Jesus. You can just stay home and have your own little church. You need people in your life. That's what we talked about last week. We're called and created for community. But so as, as you are growing with God, God's gonna begin to use you. He is, and he's gonna use you to invest in other people. And as he does that, you'll begin to think you're making progress. You'll, you'll begin to invest in people. Think that God's using you to bring them to Christ. <laughs> and sometimes, I mean, that progress, I don't know if this has ever happened to anybody before. I need to maybe speak to a parent for just a minute, uh, especially like if you have a teenager, anybody have a teenager? Like I'm talking, I'm talking to you. Because sometimes like you will plant a seed and that seed will go to a dark place. And you were wondering what in the world that seed is doing down there in the dark. You know what I'm saying? Like, like sometimes that, that happens. And I, I, just, I started studying this because whenever you look at how we grow in Scripture, you look at it. Uh, Jesus, he, he always used like agricultural examples. Uh, and so I started studying this. I studied so you don't have to. And, and one of the primary, probably the best examples that, that really helped me is a teaching that Jesus did in Matthew chapter 13. He's talking about how things grow in the kingdom of God, how growth happens. And, and uh, he's speaking to the crowds of people. And one, one other thing I always learned from watching Jesus is he would speak to the crowds. But what's fascinating about it is he would say things, but people would hear it on different levels based on the level that they were listening. That's why I always said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so 
I believe that maybe that same thing is happening right now. I'm, I'm saying this, but it's gonna hit some of you differently based on where you're at. For some of you, you're gonna look at it and say, this is, this is why I'm experiencing what I'm experiencing in my life. Some of you, it's like, this, this is why this investment is going the way. This is why, without leading these people, this is why it's turned out the way. I believe it's gonna hit people in different ways, but this is what I see. Uh, Jesus was talking about how growth happens in the kingdom of God in Matthew chapter 13, uh, starting verse three. Matthew's writing this, and he says, then he told them many things and parables. And I kind of like how Matthew was like, look, Jesus said a lot of stuff, and I'm not gonna get all of it down, but here's one thing he did say that I remember. He said, Jesus said many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Now that's you when you're investing in others. It says he was scattering the seed, and some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. And some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. Spring up quickly because the soil was shallow, but then the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And you know, the tendency is to read that passage of Scripture and think that the only seed that was sown successfully was the last one, the one that produced a harvest. But you know when I read that? I don't hear Jesus critiquing the farmer. I don't hear Jesus critiquing how or where he sowed the seed. That seed was sown successfully everywhere. And here's the thing with you. You don't get to choose the soil that you sow into sometimes. You can't always change people's hearts. All you're responsible for is sowing good seed. And, and so here's the principle. principle when, when you go out to sow, don't get frustrated when the bird comes by and snatches it up. Don't get frustrated when it gets choked out. I am talking to you about the power of relinquishing the results to God. This will free you up so much. If, if I didn't realize this, I, I would have sleepless nights. I'd probably kill myself by now because it, the, the thing is, like, it's so crazy to think, why didn't this happen? And I thought I invested this person. And where are they at now? And, and why did it go this way? But see, I've, I've just learned how to stand up and take the seed and sow it the best way I know how. And sow good seed and make sure that the word is going forth and that the gospel is going forth and that I'm investing in people from the best place that I can. And it's my job to sow it, but it's God's job to grow it. And maybe that's what you need to hear. You sow it and let God grow it. Don't measure the success by the harvest. Measure it. Is, am I faithful? Was I faithful in sowing seed? A am I being faithful in what God has called me to do? So you can't judge your success as a parent. You can't judge your success as a leader. You can't judge your success at whatever God has called you to based on the harvest that you see, but were you faithful in sowing the seed with the seed that you sow? Because sometimes, sometimes it just takes time for things to grow. Sometimes it just takes time for things to grow. P Paul wrote about this one place in scripture. He said, look, I planted it. Another guy watered it, Paulos. But God made it grow. And so 
what that means is sometimes in life, your part is going to be to plant, right? You're sowing seed. You, you got to be faithful in that. You might not see it grow ever. It might be five years later, somebody else comes along and it's their job to water it. Maybe they don't even see it grow. Somebody else comes along and, and they reap the harvest. Here, here's the thing. As long as God is making it grow, don't judge your effectiveness based on your part in the process. Judge your effectiveness based on your faithfulness to play your part in the process. Play your part and let God make it grow. On your way from here to there, don't despise what starts small. Don't underestimate the power of presence. And don't measure success based off the harvest that you see, but the seed that you sow. How does God work in your life? It's a small thing. Just be faithful. Just be consistent. And know that God is going to bring the increase. God is going to bring the growth.